This is Tom Vargelettis with the Full-Time Real Estate Photographer Podcast. This episode has a series of six questions asked by a member of the Full-Time Real Estate Photographer's audience. This question is from Luis Alberto. You can find him on Instagram at Louisberto. L-U-I-B-E-R-T-O. Luis has an interesting situation. He asked if he should focus on photography exclusively or on other businesses too. He's asked about architectural, hotel, and Airbnb photography. He asked about some issues with a language barrier, public speaking, and more. These were issues that I think many people have to deal with. So thank you for the questions, Luis. Let's get right into it, shall we? Question one, I have 25 years of marketing experience and I already have some photography experience and have been studying for two years on real estate photography. I would like to go back to the U.S. and start a business, but would like to know your opinion. Is it a good idea for me to have a traditional marketing agency and also offer real estate photography services or should I just focus on real estate photography? The question here is essentially... Should I focus all of my attention on real estate photography or should I split my time with photography in another business that I know really well? This is a tough one to answer because there's no perfect choice to make. I can't tell you what to do here, but I can tell you how I think the problem should be approached and you'll probably find it a lot easier to make this decision. You have to start by taking a practical look at the situation. What are your standards for your quality of life? Do you have to earn a certain level of income right away in order for the business to be worth your time? If you have a ton of experience in one industry, like you said, 25 years with marketing, you should have a good idea of the income that you can make off of it. If you're only studying real estate photography, this is going to be an unknown when it comes to income. Now, you certainly can develop a high income from photography, but until you actually do it, it's still going to be an unknown. If you are not totally secure in your ability to start and run a business and to deal with all of the prospecting that you would need to do to get a running start, then perhaps starting on familiar ground would be more fruitful for you. Next, you want to take a look at your personal behavior. Successful people have successful habits. If you were to imagine yourself taking a step back to look at the way you do things as if you were a stranger analyzing your behavior, what would you see? This is an important step to take, by the way. It's easy for us to just internally self-assess what we're doing and then to say, yep, I'm doing the right thing or no, I'm doing the wrong thing. Try and imagine yourself as an outsider or maybe even ask the opinion of someone else. Most people have a lot of life experience to look back on to help inform your decision. Ask yourself, am I the kind of person that needs oversight or direction? Do you tend to be able to operate on your own with little structure or that you are able to create a structured environment that you can thrive in? Something that throws a lot of people off in business is not having a boss. I know that's the reason why a lot of people get into business, but it's easy to let a lot of important things go when you don't really have anyone checking up on you. With no management structure or no punitive consequences really for your actions, except, you know, loss of clients and income, 
Do you find a way to maintain a high level of personal integrity and discipline when it comes to your business? If you aren't sure, or if you don't think that you have ever been in a situation where you were in business for yourself, then you might want to lean on your previous experience, in this case for Luis and marketing, to help support your venture into real estate photography. For those of us who already have a lot of business experience or who already have a high degree of discipline, and as an aside, I'm not talking about honeymoon levels of discipline. (laughs) You, You know what I'm talking about? Anyone can get excited about an idea in the beginning and then adopt all the right behaviors, but over time, After you meet with some unexpected obstacles or you have a few really negative experiences, can you still power through? And I said honeymoon levels of discipline because if you've never heard this before, there's the honeymoon phase in a new marriage or in a new relationship. It's the honeymoon phase uh, where that's the nicest that the couple is going to be to each other. After that, it's all downhill. Well, depending on who you talk to. The idea is that At the beginning, it's really easy to get excited and wrapped up into this idea of, you know, you're imagining all the success and all these wonderful things, but then the first couple bumps in the road, it throws you right off track. Are you the kind of person that will start something, you lose enthusiasm, then you start something else? Well, that might put you in a difficult situation once you start getting into business again or for the first time with real estate photography. However, if yes, you can push through any obstacle to reach your goals then it's probably better to just start with photography and to focus on it exclusively. It's important, though, to audit yourself and to really be brutally honest. The success of your business is going to hinge on your ability to make emotionally detached and pragmatic decisions. If you know that you need some structure or oversight, and if you know that you don't have a lot of real-world business experience, then it's best to start with baby steps. You want to be able to build on a strong foundation so when inevitable problems arise, you won't stumble and fall. Okay, there's another thing to address here. If you have marketing experience in this specific case, why not leverage that along with the photography business? Real estate agents are always desperate for leads. They want leads and a good marketing expert can deliver them. If you have a good understanding of social media ads, you could potentially help realtors build their business for a tidy profit and use that as an upsell to photography. Or you could offer your marketing services first and then photography along with it. Who knows? You might find far more profits in offering marketing services to real estate agents instead of photography. Either way, if I can have two businesses that could potentially work hand in hand, I would at least give both a shot. It's worthwhile to try them out though, right? Especially if one can help boost up the other. So take a good look at yourself and how you would behave in your business and make the best decision that you can and go for it. Don't waste time and indecision. After all, it's action that is going to bring your business to life. Not in action, not thinking, oh, what if I do this? What if I did that? (laughs) That's not getting you anywhere. Important questions to ask, yes, and important decisions to make, yes, but we also need to 
make the decision and take action. It's better to not be 100% sure about the real estate photography exclusively and then maybe start with marketing or start working with your marketing business and your photography and then letting the stronger one take over or support the other one. It's better to just get that ball rolling than to spend months, years thinking about it wanting to do it, and then getting to a point where you're just kicking yourself saying, ah, I should have done this, I should have done that. Just take the action, give it a shot. If it fails, it fails. (laughs) It's better to fail soon than later, right? That way you can move on with your life. Okay, question number two. Do you think I could make photos for Airbnb, hotel, and architects? Yes, yes, and yes. Hotel and architectural photography calls for a much higher level of work but you could certainly do it. Airbnb, you can get away with standard real estate images. I do them all the time. In fact, a friend of mine buys houses around Boston and only puts them on Airbnb. That's his business. Uh, You'll want to compare your work when you're going to do this to the work that you're seeing on architect and hotel websites, for example, to see if the quality of what you're producing is there or not. And if it isn't, just study architectural photography and practice. Once you get there, you can charge much higher fees. Most architectural photographers, for example, they'll bill on a day rate plus expenses. So say like $1,000 a day plus $100 per photo and editing. And then they tack on included commercial licensing fees, or sometimes they'll include them in the creative fee to get them in the door. This kind of business is worth its own podcast, never mind a mere episode. It's not really my forte as far as architectural photography is concerned. So if there's any architectural photographers in the audience, please reach out. I'd love to get you on the show and share some more information about it. But all I know about that is anecdotal. I do know you can do it. People do it. There's some really great resources online. If you wanted to jump into architectural photography at the beginning, you've got a lot of work ahead of you. Uh, Reach out to me. I can refer you to a bunch of other sources. There's some great architectural photographers out there that'll share a lot about what they do, sometimes for free and sometimes for very, very low cost. Bottom line is you can make money taking pictures of just about anything. The issue is finding the people who will pay you. So in real estate photography, I focus on real estate agents. For Airbnb, you might know someone that does it, like me, or you would have to reach out to Airbnb owners and pitch them. Hotels, you can reach out to hotel managers or go to the hotel to leave some material behind for the manager. And you can find architects and builders online to try and solicit some business. Whomever you approach, just remember that you need to already have a portfolio in place. You also want to have a portfolio geared for the kind of work that you are looking for. Rent a few hotel rooms and shoot them. Rent a few Airbnbs and shoot them. See what public buildings you could photograph to use in a portfolio if you've never gotten to shoot them before. Just don't approach a hotel manager or an architect with a portfolio full of bungalows and ranches. You want to have the kind of subject matter that you're trying to solicit in your portfolio already. However you need to do it, go out, take those pictures, and then approach the people so they can see that you're actually competent and you can do the work. That's important, right? Question number three. I speak English, but I need to improve a lot. Do you think this could be a problem or will people see my portfolio and hire me anyway? This question is focused in on the language barrier. 
what do you do if you can't communicate or if your communication is less than ideal with your clients or your prospective clients? Well, Luis, I'm pretty sure from what I'm seeing on your Instagram is that you are from Brazil. So your first language would be Portuguese, right? In that scenario, you should actually be able to find some Portuguese speaking real estate agents in a lot of places in the United States. In that sense, you would have a major advantage because there's probably not too many Brazilian real estate photographers out working, but you would have that added bonus of being able to communicate with people whose first language or maybe second language or third or whatever is also Portuguese. They might really gravitate towards you because of that. For your English speaking skills specifically, it's just going to put in the practice and give it time. Listen to English audiobooks, podcasts, watch English speaking TV with maybe some Portuguese subtitles. And while you try to speak English more and more, you'll eventually master it. I met a man who, and this was years ago, but at 40 years old, he came to the United States from Argentina, never learned English before then. But in a few years, he was speaking English perfectly with no accent. You would not have known that he learned English as a second language well into his adult life. I mean, according to him, it was pretty difficult, but it can be done. And that's just achieving a level of mastery over the language, though. If you're fully conversational, you'll be fine. You can have a strong Portuguese accent in your English, but as long as when you talk to people, they aren't leaning in and saying, huh, uh, what? <laughs> Say that again over and over and over. Then you know that you're doing fine. I've known a couple people who were really self-conscious of their accents when they spoke in English, but it's important to realize that as long as you're able to communicate, most people won't have a problem with it at all. In fact, depending on who you talk to, some people like to hear an accent when they're talking with someone. It's only going to cause a problem if you aren't able to communicate very clearly at all, in which case it's time to put in a lot more time and energy into practicing the language. But you'll get there if, if you're not able to fully communicate. But like I said, if you're conversational, I wouldn't worry too, too much about it. Okay, moving right on to number four. Do you think using technologies like augmented reality and virtual reality could be something that would make my business profit more? Uh, not really. Maybe one day, but right now, stills and video are where most of the attention is. I do offer Matterport virtual tours right now, and I may soon be offering iGuide tours as well, which are like virtual reality. And I know that Matterport will let you use the VR goggles with it. I've found that People like it, but just about no one uses the virtual reality features. I tried pushing it pretty hard for a year or so. There just wasn't really any traction. You can start doing it and offering it. Just so few people are really interested in it. It didn't seem profitable for me. And you might be in a marketplace where you'll have the opposite experience. I would say if you really, really wanted to do it and you wanted to go to the expense of getting the equipment to create a virtual reality tour of a house, or like a 3D model of the house like you can with a Matterport scan, you could give it a shot if you're really gung-ho about it. But like I've addressed in earlier episodes, I think I did a whole episode on Matterport. You really need to be confident in your sales skills because it's going to be different to a lot of agents and some agents are going to have a negative or just a neutral reaction to it. They're just not going to care. It's not necessarily going to improve your bottom line unless you're able to really sell it, but that's going to be a little extra work for you. Five. You have often said how important it is to make presentations to agents, but I can't imagine talking to a lot of people, mainly because I don't speak fluently. How can I get over it and get new clients? 
public speaking is really frightening for most people. Like I mentioned earlier, if you have a lot of trouble with your English, I would just practice first. But if you are conversational or fluent, presenting to a group still might seem terrifying. Just remember this, you will have to interact with your clients at some point. Uh, I recommend getting them all in a group for convenience sake. You could also start with one-on-one presentations or just building out a killer website and portfolio that you can leave out and let speak for you. Of those options, I have found office presentations to be the most impactful method of prospecting. At most presentations, I'll usually have one or two agents book with me on the spot and several more as the weeks go on. If you had to spend one hour a day on getting new clients, would you want to focus one person at a time? One person that may or may not want to actually work with you in the end? Or would you rather get several all together and almost guarantee that you'll get new clients? You can try the one-on-one approach. You can try a website, push some paid ads. You could drop flyers off and portfolio books. But that approach, in my experience, will be much slower. In earlier episodes, I talk about the income that you want to make and the time you want to spend into getting there. You can check those episodes out if you haven't already, but ask yourself, how much money do you want to make and how long do you want it to take to get there? If you don't care one way or the other, then do whatever you want. If you want to take this seriously and build a successful business, you need to take massive amounts of action. You want to contact as many people in the shortest possible time with a awesome presentation that will make them want to drop their current photographer and then work with you exclusively. When it comes to actually physically standing up in front of people and talking, a lot of the anxiety that we feel in that situation or that we feel about just thinking about doing it roots from preparation or a lack thereof. If you feel that you are not confident in your public speaking skills, it's because you are not confident in yourself. But this is pretty easy to iron out with preparation. Build an amazing presentation. Don't throw something together. Really put time and effort into it. Practice it. Plan out what you want to say. You can script it and read from your script at first, and that's fine. You can stand up in front of a group of people, have some paper in your hand, and read from the paper. That's okay if you're just starting out. No one is going to say, oh, this idiot, he's reading from a piece of paper. I couldn't ever work for him. It still shows that you're prepared, that you know what you're talking about, and that's part of your brand, that you're prepared. You know what you're doing. (laughs) You're put together. This is all planned in advance. And eventually, you'll memorize everything that you want to say and in how you want to say it. Practice with your significant other. Practice with your friends and family. When you put this presentation together, practice and talk to people and share it and get feedback. You could even potentially reach out to real estate agents and say, I just put this new portfolio together and a new presentation for my photography services. I'd really be interested in your feedback. You might already know some real estate agents who'd be interested, but you could probably get presentations by telling people that you're practicing this new presentation. A lot of people are pretty generous and they'll say, yeah, sure, I'd love to help you out just out of the kindness of their heart. The key though is practice and eventually you memorize everything and say it the way you want to say it and then just keep on practicing after that. It's a really good idea to record your voice at least or even taking a video of your presentation. It's a very powerful technique for improving your work. 
You record yourself, you watch yourself and take notes. Don't pat yourself on the back and say, what a good job I did. Generally, you're going to have a lot of good things to say. At first, you might not have a single good thing to say, but you really want to focus on the negative things that can be improved and really iron them out. Uh, eventually, you want to be so practiced with your presentation that you don't even need to prepare for it. You can just walk up and start sharing the good news about your business with confidence. As you start talking with more agents and doing more group presentations, it's also important to do an after-action review, not just taking notes on your practice presentations, but on the real ones. Take notes on questions that you were asked and take notes on things that you need to improve on in terms of answering the questions or how could I add this little tidbit of information to my presentation so the question doesn't even get asked. That's the best feeling, honestly. You finish your presentation, any questions, no questions. Anybody have a listing coming up that they'd like to book a photo shoot? And then a couple people raise their hand. That's when you know they get it and they like it. You're giving them something that they want. You can get there, but there's a process that you have to go through, that we all have to go through. This way, with the note-taking and taking video of yourself and recording questions and stuff afterwards, you can spot check and tweak your presentation to perfection. Your goal is going to be getting one booking per presentation minimum and to receive callbacks afterwards as well from other people. And this is not in lieu of following up with them after a presentation, of course. The fortune is in the follow-up. I've said that before. But it starts with a good first impression thanks to a great presentation. It is a lot of work, but it's well worth it. I do spend more time on presentations in the full-time real estate photographer book as well. I'll link it in the description, but you could find it on Amazon easily enough. The key here really is preparation. You want to be so prepared that maybe you'll still be nervous, but once you get in front of people, you're basically on autopilot, not really having to think too much at all. It's when you're standing in public speaking to a group and then you start to question yourself, second guess yourself. Someone butts in with a question in the middle of your talk. You don't really have what you want to say flushed out very well. And then it takes you a lot of time to get back on track and you get flustered. You can avoid all of that with the proper amount of presentation. So if you put the work in and you think, wow, I'm working really hard, try working like 10 times harder and doing 10 times more work. When you stand up in front of people, confidence will not be an issue. You know, you can still feel anxious. Once you get through your first like five, six, seven presentations, the first few are probably the worst. I know it was with me. Like I didn't just wake up one day and decide, hey, I'm going to be a public speaker and I'm not going to care at all. Like I'll still get nervous in front of groups when I prepare for stuff. I'll just tell myself, I'm just here to talk about one thing. I want to give these people something that they want and they're going to love it. I mean, not everyone is going to love it. They're going to say, I have my own photographer and you've got your curmudgeons in the crowd every now and then you'll pump up to. But most people are really appreciative of being able to find another competent, passionate, professional, someone who can help make them look good to their clients too. It's really not that bad of an experience. I've never really had a super negative experience. The worst that I've had to deal with so far is I was presenting to a group of like a hundred people. It was this huge seminar for a very large broker in New England and they all got together for this class. I got a time to speak and present the business. And then uh, just in the middle of my talk, I don't know how, some guy chimed in uh, and when I started talking about pricing um, and he meant it as a joke, he really meant well and he was a client of mine, but I said the price and then he was like, oh, you told me it was 50% less than that or something like that. 
that really threw me off. I was like stuttering. I was like, uh, uh, where was I? Uh, but then, you know, you get back on track and I asked people, there were a hundred people in that room. It was like one of those hotel conference rooms that they just loaded up with chairs. I asked a bunch of people who are already clients of mine afterwards. I'm like, what'd you guys feel about that one thing? And they're like, oh man, that was so funny. I'm like, yeah, but did you notice that it kind of threw me off? And they're like, no, not really. They didn't notice. Like people don't really even remember what you say a lot of the time. If you're in front of the group and then you make little mistakes, you want to perfect them just for yourself to make sure that you're doing the best that you can. But a lot of the people, like, they're not even going to notice. If they notice, they're not even going to remember. A lot of little things, like in your case, Luis, of uh, accent in your English, you might feel self-conscious about like, oh man, I said this word wrong or the sentence, the phrase was incorrect or whatever. A lot of people aren't going to really notice. If they do, probably most of them wouldn't mind it at all. They'll understand because it's obvious that English is your second language. Like I said, as long as you can communicate pretty clearly, it's not going to be that big of a deal. That's no excuse to just be lazy and not try and improve yourself. But just so you know, you're not years and years away from doing a presentation. You might be days or weeks away from being able to get to that point. Question number six, how do you do virtual staging? I don't. I have a virtual stager. Um, They're easy to find online. You want to find someone with a very consistent level of quality in their portfolio and at a good price. Then you upcharge their fees by whatever you want and offer it as your own service. My coaching clients have access to my virtual stagers at my prices. I've talked about outsourcing work in other episodes as well as in the book. Luis, I thank you for your questions, and I hope I've answered them to your satisfaction. If not, let me know and we can chat some more. For anyone else who might have a question, you can also reach out to me on Instagram at Tom Vargelletis, T-O-M-V-A-R-G-E-L-E-T-I-S, or you could email me, tom at ftrephoto.com. I'm always happy to answer questions. To be honest, I'm a little backed up at the moment, so don't be surprised if it takes me a little bit of time to get to your answers, but don't let that stop you. If you have a question, there are probably hundreds more people that do too. For whatever reason, they never get to asking, so please don't hesitate to ask a question. I also want to point out here that, and I've mentioned it a little bit earlier, and I've mentioned it throughout most of the previous episodes, but there is a book. It's called The Full-Time Real Estate Photographer. It's available on Amazon.com. If you don't like Amazon or if you wanted me to get the most profits from the sale of the books as possible instead of, you know, the little royalty split, you could go ahead and reach out to me directly. I've got some here that I could sign and sell to you directly. And that's if you want like a signed copy. I could even put in a cute little note. (laughs) Uh, I've been thinking also of doing a, um, a few special podcast episodes as companions to the book. I haven't really decided yet. So if that's something that might seem interested to you, especially if you've already bought the book, let me know if it would be worth my time in doing it. I'd appreciate that. In addition to the book, I also offer business coaching for all of you aspiring real estate photographers. If you think that you need some accountability, or maybe you are listening to my answer on question one, and you're thinking, yeah, maybe I do need a little help with uh, self-discipline or structure, you can reach out to me for more info about coaching. Coaching consists of 
a weekly video call where we break down every little thing in your business and improve it. I also stay on top of you for accountability to make sure the things we plan out actually get done. Plus a couple of other benefits. Actually, I shouldn't say a couple, a lot more. Um, I share some of my contracts, for example. I have a great legal writer that I use for like licensing terms and conditions and stuff. I share access to some of my staff, like my editors and virtual stagers, as I mentioned before. I also guide you through the sea of software and services and all this stuff that's out there for getting your business set up with as little inefficiencies as our mortal minds can muster. It's a lot of fun to help you grow. So, you know, don't be afraid to ask for more details. Just be warned, coaching with me is not cheap and it is not for the faint of heart. On that note, this is the end of the episode. I want to thank you guys so much for your questions. Really appreciate them. And I think it helps deliver a lot of value to the other listeners. I look forward to answering more questions soon. Thank you for listening.